Welcome to Out of Home Insider, the first podcast for media and marketing executives that connects how offline attention drives conversion. My name is Tim Rowe, and for the past three years, I've been interviewing guests about their unique insights, bridging this misunderstood and undervalued opportunity for brands to create alchemy in the real world. Today's guest is Avi Stoller, co-founder and chief revenue officer of TAVE, a place-based CTV disruptor that uses AI to perform maybe one of the most agreeably useful tasks for humanity, changing the channel on the TV during commercial breaks. Find out how drinking beer and watching playoff hockey led to building an AI that changes the channel during commercial breaks in sports bars during the biggest moments in sports to position brands front and center at the right place during the right time. Here's a fun fact for you. 94 of the top 100 most watched pieces of television programming in the United States last year was a sporting event. 82 of those were NFL games. Now think about how many TV commercials you see playing on TVs in public places. Now think about how many of those are in sports bars and consider the ability to automate changing the channel on all of those TVs as soon as they go to commercial break and infusing more timely and relevant content. TAVE is spelled T-A-I-V because they put the AI in TV. So that's the big idea I'd like you to consider. What is the secret sauce that makes you and what you do so special? It doesn't have to be a channel-changing AI that even David Ogilvie would love. It can be absolutely anything. It can be your unique way of developing creative concepts. It can be how you work with partners to unlock unprecedented value for your clients. Whatever it is, own it and let the world know about it. And speaking of letting the world know, for the very first time in Out of Home Insider history, you can check out Tave on TryAdScout.com. Just search T-A-I-V on TryAdScout or click the link in the show notes wherever you're enjoying this conversation. So without further ado, let's go. Welcome everybody to the Out of Home Insider Show, a podcast like no other, hosted by the one and only Tim Rowe. ready to have some knowledge dropped on you and to be entertained because nothing's more valuable than food for your brain so sit back relax we're about to dive in as the best industry podcast is about to begin obviously it's a it's a safe place to start it's how we start all these conversations but how'd you get in and out of home well i imagine it's like the same way that a lot of people get into out of home it we kind of fell into it by accident. It didn't end up, this wasn't something that was a goal of ours um, as a company or a goal of mine personally. Um, but we ended up creating a product and then we ended up realizing that the product was an out of home advertising network kind of by accident, but we did it. We approached it from a little bit of a different perspective. So it might make more sense for me just to give, kind of give you a quick timeline of how our company came to be, why we created what we created and then, that ended up being classified as out of home. Because you started out similarly, actually, to to a recent guest. They started out as a consumer product. What they discovered was that businesses were were buying this consumer product as a CMS. You kind of flipped that. You started out as, as a service to businesses and then pivoted into a digital out of home network. Is that is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't like a super intentional pivot, but I think like a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of businesses that get created, especially ones with novel ideas, um, you end up building something and you think your customers will use it in a certain way. And 
it ends up being completely different than you originally intend. It's interesting. Um, you kind of have to follow the market. You don't really get to control how people use or what you build. You create something, you put it into the market, you iterate on it, and then the market kind of dictates who you really are. It's not really the other way around. Mm. So absolutely. Um, we like what we did is we're sitting in a sports bar watching a hockey game. This is the Winnipeg Jets who are currently in the playoffs. Okay. Go Jets. Go Jets. Um, and uh, this was, but this was like, you know, five years ago or something like that. Watching the TV and drinking Corona beers and having a good time. And all of a sudden we look up at the screen, the TV cut to commercial break. There's an ad for Boston Pizza, a competitor sports bar network. Um, and they were advertising their $5 Coronas. And there's a Boston pizza down the street. And here we are drinking like our, like, se- I think it's like a $7 Corona or something like that. We're thinking to ourselves, man, this makes absolutely no sense. What, what a terrible experience for the bar that we're in, you know, selling us more expensive Coronas when we could have just gone down the street. So the exactly competitor, the their TV spot was running during the commercial break in the sports bar you were in. The competitor to the sports yeah. bar you were in, their commercial was running exactly. while you were watching the game, advertising a cheaper beer than the one you were drinking. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of slapped us in the face. It wasn't like some, yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, it, it kind of just presented itself. And, you know, our CEO, Noah Polanski, uh, you know, was like, wait a second, what if we, let's find out how the restaurant feels about this. So we talked to the manager, and of course, the manager says how much they hate, you know, the commercial break, they have no control over it. it, it provides harmful branding, they'd love to have their own specials up on those screens during the commercial breaks instead of having to play their competitor um because to this point that, like the, the, that's the challenge right either i have a i have a screen that's playing the game and i just have to go along with whatever plays during commercial break or run over and, and change the channel or i just have to have a dedicated screen that only plays an ad loop that's the alternative absolutely that's the all the only alternative and the reality for all the bars and restaurants to at that point is I'm paying an arm and a leg for direct TV. They're charging me or Comcast or, or whatever the version is, is up in Canada. And I am, and I'm paying for this. These are my screens. This is my audience that I own and I have no control over the, whatever branding and marketing plays. I can control every single inch of, of my bar and restaurant to make sure it's the experience and the atmosphere that my, I want to build for my customers. And I pay for the service and they turn around and then they harm my atmosphere and my marketing and branding efforts by playing with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so started the idea of Pave and a year and a half of research and development when it's a building this brand new piece of technology that no one has ever done before, which is this piece of hardware that connects between the, you know, TVs and can basically, um, change the TV input and switch it be like a smart channel changer so that someone doesn't have to manually switch the TV commercial switch the TV channel during those commercial breaks to get so rid of using it. AI for something it. actually useful changing the channel during commercial break exactly I love exactly it. <laughs> can I get this for my <laughs> home TV uh, it would be probably a little bit more than you want to pay <laughs> but absolutely that would be that'd be pretty cool to avoid commercials um, altogether. People or just see the, the ones you want, right? Like that's there's relevancy to that to 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 just showing someone commercials that they're interested in, content that they're interested yeah. in, ads that they're interested in. Just they're not opposed to ads. Just make it relevant. 
very smart person told me, uh, not me, it was actually giving a talk uh, yesterday, or the day before in Miami at the possible conference that I just came back from. Really fun time. And they said that a good TV commercial is not, doesn't get a bad rap like most, you know, commercials do or most ads do. But if it's contextually relevant uh, to the consumer and it's done in a thoughtful way and out of home can be a really fun place and a really awesome fun canvas to kind of use to create those experiences for the consumers. Good TV commercial is a conversation starter. It's, it adds to the atmosphere. It doesn't take away from the atmosphere. However, TV commercials and, you know, the TV networks have no ability to change the creative, you know, home environments in bars and restaurants and other businesses. They play the same app that doesn't really make sense to play that would play in a household that's designed for households, you know, that relies on audio, um, that, um, that basically is meant to be consumed in a completely different environment. Sure. And potentially for a, a, a different audience altogether, depending on the setting and the context and, and all of those things is, is the, so, okay. So we went from being a, a way for, for bar owners to get their own content onto the screens. And then we, we hijacked the, the remote control and we got really smart and we're using AI to change the channel, which allows you to then hijack that commercial break run your own content is hijack the wrong word are we going to get ourselves i I want to get into legal trouble here well (laughs) i just think hijack is this like you know kind of negative thing where we're like going we're stealing we're not we're not stealing anything those commercial breaks are still playing it's just someone's changed the channel and switched the tv input so we're just and a lot of bars do pay for a dj or somebody to actually manually you know change the audio and change the channel during commercial breaks and during during things and all we're doing is exactly that just automatically um not hijacking not hijacking we're not <laughs> taking anything that's we're not really taking anything I, I i i appreciate you challenging <laughs> that and and adding clarity to it we're, we're not hijacking commercial space but what we are doing is we're, we're changing the channel we're creating a, an ad opportunity in a captive environment with some high value contextual relevance, right? I want to be seen next to this programming. So you, you, you had this existing network of business owners that were using version one of the, the hardware, which was not intended as this digital play-based CTV ad delivery technology. How, how hard was that to start? Was it, was it, was it, what, was there a forcing function? How did you go from being, a technology company serving businesses in that sense to an ad platform. There was a forcing function and it was really, really hard. Um, so that for us, the silver lining was COVID. COVID hits, all the restaurants close their doors. Um, you know, restaurants aren't willing to pay for this anymore and replace it with their own stuff. They have to go into their version of like survival mode. Um, so suddenly we realized we built something that restaurants are just not going to pay for right now. Um, and so we had always known that there's a potential to sell advertising to support the system, give it to the restaurants for free. In fact, why don't you share some of the revenue with them, um, but have advertisers pay for it. And, and maybe the restaurant gets some of the time to still promote themselves, but the majority of it's advertising based. Um, and during COVID, we had a long period of time where restaurants and bars just flat out weren't open. Uh, and so that's what we did. And I embarked on, I started having conversations with other 
founders in the community and then like the YC community, just these like entrepreneur, like why like startup communities that we're involved in. Started learning a little bit about it. But man, is that a learning curve that I don't still feel like I haven't really finished learning about. So it took a long time, but thankfully we we didn't have any business to no businesses could use our product because we were in the middle of everyone getting shut down due to the pandemic, especially bars and restaurants. So yeah. For us, it was a silver lining. And hey, you know what we discovered? Advertisers are so incredibly thrilled to play really targeted Idaho, what it CPV, in-stream video, whatever you call it. Um, the consumer doesn't really care what it gets called. All they know is that they're watching, you know, a, a professional sports game and all of a sudden the commercial break happens and there's something entertaining that's actually designed to work in that environment. Um, and we can make way more money doing that. And we can even give some of that money back to the restaurants who don't operate a high profit margin business at all. So it's actually, it, it just ended up being so much better for every single party involved. And uh, that's kind of how we fell into out of home. <laughs> Pretty cool story. And and, and I, I think it is particularly relevant understanding how much the out of home landscape has evolved over the last, I don't know, five to seven years on this pay it forward model of, Hey, let's work together. It's a win, win, win. It's a win for the business. It's a win for, it's a win for your company and it's a win for the brand. Right. And, and no one gets hurt along the way. This, this opportunity to potentially scale this out now. So you've gone from uh, being a hardware company with a SaaS revenue model to now being a, a rev share digital out of home network. Where was the footprint and, and how has it changed since those early days? Well, the early day footprint was essentially Canada because that's where we're from. Right. We might have, we had a, a customer or two in Mountain View, California and Silicon Valley because that's where we were living at the time going through Y Combinator. But essentially it was all Canadian inventory, uh, SaaS, SaaS. So I wouldn't even call it inventory necessarily because that's not how we look, even looked at it in that way. We had a bunch of Canadian bars and restaurants. COVID happened. COVID shut down all of our bars and restaurants in Canada and, um, I don't know if, uh, how familiar you are with the way COVID was handled in Canada, but we did not open up fast at all. Really one of the so, strictest lockdowns in, in the world. Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we made all these changes and invested in and became an ad supported, you know, digital out of home network, but we didn't have any opportunity to grow in Canada. So, uh, the three of us kind of sat together. I'm talking to the three founders, Noah, Jordan, and I, and we're like, Hey guys, what are we going to do? We can't wait any longer. Cities keep on opening up and coming back down. Like it's Where is the most least likely place to close down? And we're doing a bunch of research, and we fell on Florida. Florida. Ron DeSantis, <laughs> Ron DeSantis at the time said, "He's like, we're going to sue anybody that locks down more than I say you're allowed to lock down." And we're like, "Holy, this sounds like a place that would be good for us to grow our business." And like the next month, I landed in Florida for the first time in my life, and we started growing our first network, which was in South Florida, or Miami. Um, and from there we went to Tampa. We did, so we've done top GMAs in Florida and then we moved over to Texas because we're still kind of like, ah, just in case COVID comes back, we should probably stick to these, you know, red states that we think are going to be most likely to remain open. So we did a couple of markets in Texas. That's Austin and San Antonio. Uh, we recently did Phoenix and, uh, now we're at the point where we're scaling any market. So we don't really have to worry. We're not. Knock on wood, we're not worried that anything bad will happen in our restaurants will close down. We can kind of just scale whatever market might be best for us. 
Talk about Y Combinator and, and startup incubators. Yeah. It's, it's, we don't have a lot of startups in out of home relative to kind of the rest of the world of marketing uh, and marketing technology. When I was at a company called OneScreen, we went through Techstars uh, with the Minnesota Twins. And, and there's, there's a few of these, these startup incubators out there. But for anyone that's listening that maybe doesn't know what Y Combinator or a startup incubator is, how would you describe that? It's a three month boot camp. You have to apply and you, you have to get in and the acceptance rates are usually quite low. Um, for the top ones like Techstars, congratulations. That's not an easy one to get into as well. That's one of the, like that is in the top group of, of startup incubators. But essentially you apply. Uh, if you get accepted, you move or, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily move, but you meet with your partners. So you have these incredibly esteemed and successful startup entrepreneurs that understand what it is like to to try to scale a startup, which is different than, you know, an established business in a lot of different ways. Um, and they kind of help you and you you just go absolutely crazy for three months. You basically don't sleep. You have no social life. You're there to try to progress the business as much as you possibly can in those three months. And often takes a really, really crazy, unsustainable period like that to really kick off a business. Um, and you finish it off with a fundraise. And then hopefully by the end of the, you know, three month program, you're in a spot that is radically different than where you started. Uh, you've had enough direction and training to really understand how to make proper decisions when it comes to what to do in your business and how to deal with obstacles that come up. Um, and you usually have a pretty reputable name behind you that you're able to use to say, Hey, I'm a bit more credible than, you know, a no name company you've never heard before because you know, we were accepted into Techstars or Y Combinator or something like that. And and how, I guess, how has that and how is your your background and kind of stumbling into out of home? How has your perspective shaped the challenges that you see in the industry today? Like you've got a very you've got a very unique perspective that can be applied to our problem set. And I'm kind of curious what what stands out to you. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a great question. So. You know, typical startup advice is you make a product that people want. Like that is like the tagline for, for Y Combinator. Make an actual product that people actually want. Uh, you make the best product or something that actually provides business value to the person using the product and you're able to scale it up. You're actually solving somebody's problems, uh, with a clever solution, something that no one's done before. And if you do that, and that's all you need to focus on, then everything kind of takes care of itself. Then there's a way to, you know, as long as you communicate that properly, your sales is solved um, and uh, and your business con- continues to scale. However, in the out-of-home industry... Right, apply that lens now it, to out-of-home. <laughs> well, it works a little different because there's a bit of a disconnect. The majority of advertising spend is controlled by agencies who have their own set of priorities and not really the end advertiser is often, um, it's op- often what's best for the actual client or advertiser isn't necessarily what gets chosen. And it was really hard for me to wrap my head around that at first. Um, so like a really good example that I can think about is, you know, in regular business or in a startup world, if you make your product like free, uh, or super, super cheap, way undervalued, you should theoretically grow as much as possible. Businesses should be thrilled to hear about that. However, when you talk to an agency, if you're not 
charging enough that it's worth their time or effort and there might not be enough in it for the agency, they might not use you. Interesting. And that's like kind of seems counterintuitive because you'd think like the best possible thing for the advertiser might be like a very undervalued or even free ad platform that actually drives business results for them. Yet that's not what gets chosen by the agencies who are there to like choose what's in the best interest of the clients or the advertisers, right? So it's really, uh, it was a little bit frustrating and it's still something I'm trying to wrap my head around. Um, but I think something in this industry that's, you know, there's a, there's a lack of, of knowledge between, you know, a sophisticated advertiser and what the agency is doing. And the agency has its own set of like priorities and difficulties and obstacles that it has to kind of go through. Like, you know, the fact that they don't have a lot of time to do things, they can't Sure, balancing um, twenty different projects and emails, and there's a fire. And I would love to. I want to be strategic, and I want to do those things, but oftentimes really stretched thin, under under resourced, and um, and there's not a lot. Back to kind of the the initial question about why Combinator, relative to the rest of the world of marketing technology, there are not a lot of companies in out of home solving for some of those challenges that would allow buyers and agencies to be more strategic and to consider some of those things. Yeah. And what I found that actually gets results since I've been in the space is like, you know, obviously having something that, okay, I'm being completely honest. If you have a product that sounds like it's going to work more than like, you know, in reality that logically might work better, you have and you are um, really good friends with the person and the person likes dealing with you the amount of influence those two things have compared to you know rationally what the absolute objectively marketing channel or is um it matters a lot more and so it's it's definitely a new style of uh, of like way to kind of grow and way to sell than I'm, than I've been used to. You, you, um, if you offer to, uh, to, you know, take somebody from the tech, from, you know, the tech world out for, you know, to a, to a sporting event or to go golfing or something like that. Sure. It might be seen in a very negative way. Oh, interesting. So I'm a SaaS sales development rep and I'm trying to win a deal. So I take someone out to a, a fancy lunch. Yeah, no, de- yeah. Like, I mean, that's, it's not as prevalent in the industry. You'd have to approach it um, very delicately. Um, and I, yeah, I, whereas honest, in out of I, home, that's just, Hey, let's go get lunch. Right. That's, that's not, it's not even a, there's no thought given to it. Yeah, it's an it's an it's almost yeah, in a way it's a little bit of an expectation I think sometimes. Um how would you so so with that how would you approach bridging that gap? That's a um well you know, I think sometimes some of the reason that that is the case is because our industry is very fragmented. Um, there is a lot of innovation in our industry. There's a lot of new networks that are popping up, different types, um, you know, even, even networks that might not fit in exactly perfectly into the out of home category, which I would, you know, think that we do as well. Um, the better that 
the agencies can get educated on it, the more they can understand it, um, and everyone's so unique, the more, the better that they can make decisions. I don't think it's coming from like a bad, uh, like, I don't think the agencies necessarily have bad intentions. And I, I really think they're trying to do the best thing that they can Definitely. for the customers at all times. Um, but I think it's hard. And I, I just, you know, advertising is an art. It's not a science. Um, it's more of an art. It's hard to objectively show, oh, this is going to work. There's a lot of extrapolation for the future. So I think in order, the best way that we can kind of solve that is, and I don't know how to do it, but I think, you know, if it, I can imagine if the person deciding where the ad dollars are being placed understands all the tools at their disposal and is able to do it as quickly and efficiently as everybody else, you know, depending on what channel that they use. I think they make the best decision. So maybe there's, maybe that's some sort of other kind of software or, or maybe it's like a programmatic exchange or something that ends up, you know, being the ultimate facilitator, making the market a little bit more efficient in that way. But how do you, how do you think? Okay. So let's, let's maybe double click into the programmatic piece there. I love what you guys do. I would love to buy it. Right. I want it on every screen though. I don't, I don't care whose network it is. I want the technology on every screen. There's so many of these place-based CTV networks and programmatic does a great job of aggregating the supply into, into one format that I can buy over and over and over again. But everybody kind of has their unique thing, right? Uh, Reach TV, yeah. they're a great place-based CTV network. Their hook is that they have exceptional content, right? You guys are the, the AI channel changer atmosphere tv might talk about something else right like there's there's all of these different usps from all of these different networks how do you think about simplifying that for buyers where 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 do where do the networks come together to make it easy for for us well every network needs to have a way to talk about themselves but it maybe there is a catalog or something like that because you can't the programmatic networks are doing a fantastic job of like facilitating that and allowing people to buy certain screens but they they do end up missing what makes every kind of screen unique it's impossible it would be an impossible task for them to you know encompass what makes everybody special and unique and kind of pass that on programmatically to the ultimate advertiser so I'm just spitballing ideas. This is uh, probably a billion dollar question or above, and I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't. Someone think... listening right now has, has is scribbling on a notepad on how to solve it. I don't know, and that's why I'm just going to continue asking people until we figure it out. So uh, I appreciate you entertaining it and and uh, but, fielding it. Yeah, but I think if there's like a if there's a catalog, it's almost like a catalog where it's like here are all your options. Like if you were purchasing furniture and there was one place right. that you could see all the different furniture pieces and you could see all the different prices and all the different you know aspects that make each coach unique you know different materials and construction and sizes and things like that for uh, to use it as an analogy that would be i think what's needed it would have to be done through software um it'd be an interesting product you know everybody gets listed it, it ends up getting enough adoption that if you know, if uh, if the buyers end up being the ones to use it, then the sellers will make sure they're on it. Um, 
I like that. And if the sellers are all on it, then the buyers will make sure like, you know, there needs to be incentive for both sides to use it. But I think ultimately, I think that would, that would be it. Hey, maybe it's an AI thing. Maybe you get AI to understand it good enough that you can feed a chat GPT a prompt of like, here's what my business is. Here's what I'm trying to achieve. Maybe you can make some recommendations. Ooh, I like that one. I like that one. It was funny getting to this point in the conversation, remembering back that Avi and I had talked about this. We recorded this episode a few months ago, but I was already thinking about Ad Scout at the time. So it's cool to hear us talking about something that was percolating, but that is the mission, the purpose, and intent of Ad Scout. What Avi just described. That's literally what we're building. Last night, I was working on a chatbot that is built off of generative AI, and it scanned every page on triadscout.com. And I was having intelligent conversations with it about what partners were the best fit for the use case, etc. So very cool to hear that section and i just wanted to share that little bit of a editor's footnote with you that'd be uh, interesting yeah, yeah, yeah i'm over here talking to chat gpt every day trying to teach it something new about out of home so uh maybe in my next conversation with the with the computers i'll i'll teach them about uh teach them about you guys where where are you focused right now you said florida texas kind of these southeastern states where are you scaling to next how how quickly are you growing give folks an idea of of the expansion plans yeah, so we're about 1,500 screens today, um, 200 million monthly impressions. Um, expansion plans are the big media networks, or big big media DMAs. So New York, Chicago, LA, or maybe Dallas are slated next um, that we're planning on doing in the near future. Um, we're just going to continue to try to provide brands the ability to do a takeover on all the TVs because if they haven't seen it, it's like, it's freaking cool. It's, and it drives a lot of results. I think that there are very few, and this is just a shameless plug that I'm just going to go ahead plug and talk away. about ourselves with. But what makes us unique and what makes us special compared to maybe other players is, um, I think we're one of the few networks in out of home that people actually go to watch those screens. I can't think of very many. I think, I think movie theaters, um, you know, those like when for the previews, people are actually there to watch that screen. And I think in a sports bar, people actually go to the sports bar to watch to the watch the game. screen. It's and there's point. screens. People are there everywhere. So the amount of engagement we get and being able to like play on 40 screens simultaneously throughout the entire venue. Right, think about that. The channel changes to commercial, and 40 screens flash to this synchronized creative. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to link to some of the cool. the YouTube videos that you got. It's it's like a takeover of the bar uh, during commercial break. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it, I think so too. And ultimately, I think it it's it just it elevate and it's mixed in during premium content. I mean, you can't get much more premium than like the current NBA playoffs that are happening right now. Being able to insert your ad during that kind of creative, so. What we found is that, you know, once we started doing this and we started measuring the success is that like we, we were absolutely blown away with the success that we started having for advertising. So I think people really do notice the ads. It's not, it's not an ad that happens to be playing where people are so that they might notice it. It's an ad that is definitely going to be noticed where people are actually are there to watch the screen. And it makes a pretty big difference. 
there's someone listening to this podcast right now who's about to start or has just started a company in out of home, what would you what advice would you give to the next founder starting a company in this space? Um I I really like focusing on the value that you can give to all the parties, both where the inventory is. So like, you know, whoever owns the screens or the business where your screens are in, uh, the advertiser and the end consumer. Um, and I would challenge that, you know, because of the way the nature of our business, it's not very hard to... Um, you know, talk about a big story, fudge the numbers slightly. You know, you can't really prove exactly how many screens the network actually has. It's hard to prove that the ad actually plays as much as you say it's going to play. It's hard to prove that, you know, the result actually happens. But I'm willing to bet that, and my prediction is that, that as, you know, over time, the more honest and close to the truth you can try to be, which is a, often a challenge as an entrepreneur and as a company you are, it will get recognized and will ultimately get rewarded with, uh, with the trust of the agencies and the advertisers that you ultimately are working with. Couldn't think of a better exclamation point to end on my friend. Thank you. Thank you for an incredible conversation. Give folks the Latin long. Where do they learn more about Tave? Where do they connect with you? Where, where should folks go? If you want to learn more about Tave, uh, you can visit our website is TAIVTAVE.TV. So AI inside the word of TV. That's kind of where you put the AI from. in TV. That's right. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and they can, you know, if they want to reach out to me, it's my name is Avi, A V I, at TAIV.TV. Shoot me a message. Add me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to have conversations with anybody. I love learning. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I think what we're doing is really cool. And uh, I think we can provide some really unique experiences that uh, that hasn't been available before for anybody. I think that what you're doing is very cool. I'm so glad that we've connected and we were able to capture this conversation here today. Avi, I can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah, I'd really appreciate the time and opportunity, Tim. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Very exciting that for the first time ever, I can tell you, check out Tave on triadscout.com. It's linked in the show notes below. You can check out Tave's profile. You can go directly to the site and search Tave, T-A-I-V, or check the show notes. It's linked there for your convenience. If you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with somebody who could benefit. We'll see y'all next time.